this is episode five of A Little Bit of Python. Brett being absent today, we have Andrew Kootling, Jesse Nola, Michael Ford, and myself, Steve Holden. I'd like to add, if, if you want to send us any feedback or hate mail or suggestions for future topics that you want us to cover, you can email us on all at bitofpython.com. Once again, that address is all at bitofpython.com. So, what news should we discuss? Well, I mean, let's start. Let's start off with uh, uh, Pet three ninety one, which is a dictionary based configuration for the logging module inside of the standard library. So, I guess I'll start it off. Um, so, uh, Vinay. Uh, the uh, logging module uh, maintainer uh, recently did a PEP, and that PEP is 391, and it brings a dictionary-based configuration for the logging module. Now, for those of us and those of you who have used the logging module in the past, I'm sure we've all run into the problem that the uh, configuration can be uh, Byzantine at times and um, slightly confusing. So what Vinay hoped to do was to simplify the logging uh, the logging module's configuration using this dic- dictionary-based configuration. So you can say you can define a dictionary called config, and inside of it you can define your formatters as keys. The values being you know the various formatting. You can add handlers inside of the dictionary. It's a much more sane and rational layout for the configuration of the logic logging module. That's my opinion. Okay, what about backwards compatibility? It's, as far as I can tell, it's not backwards compatible. Uh, he's, at, he's going to probably release it up onto PyPy, as far as I'm aware. And it's being put into Python 2.7 and 3.2. But he'll probably release it as an external module uh, onto PyPy. Are, are you saying that you think it does break backwards compatibility with previous uses? No, 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 it doesn't. It doesn't break. It adds to I'm sorry. Right. Okay. That was what I was wondering about. Good. Oh, I apologize. Is it? Is it actually in, do you know if the new scheme is in 2.7 Alpha 3, which I think as we record, Benjamin is currently putting together? I believe it is, yes. Good. And one of the things I'd like to say about the, the logging um, package is that I haven't used it, um, and I don't know much about um, this particular pet. But I do know that I, I've heard various people complain about um, logging in Python, and um, and without having used the, the package, I can't comment on whether those complaints have any validity or not. But I do know that Vinay, who um, is the maintainer of, of logging, is one. Of, he's a very active developer, and if there are, if people do have problems and they actually bother to submit. Uh, bug issues and say what the problems are, he's very responsive at, at dealing with those and trying to fix them. So um, you know, props to, to Vinay for, for, for looking after this package and for developing it. Oh, definitely. I mean, he's, he's, he's definitely very, very responsive. Um, I, think, I think part of the problem that many people run into is that configuration has been esoteric in the past. And it's a taste thing. So a lot of one of the common criticisms is people take one look at the logging module and they, they just say, whoa, where do I even begin to start? And this smells like Java. 
That and has been my approach to logging. This is this looks so difficult. I don't think I'm. I've used it once, I believe, because I had to with somebody else's software. But uh, it, it is or was very esoteric in terms of setup and so on. It is, and I mean, Vinay Vinay is very very active. He's very responsive. But the logging module is definitely one of those modules that has. It, it, it has opinions and very, very strong opinions about how logging, how handlers, how formatting, you know, um, uh, chains of various loggers. It's it's very, very opinionated. And, and I think that's both a good thing and a bad thing. It's extremely powerful once you kind of get over the initial learning curve. Um, it, it's, it's pretty powerful. And, I mean, it's got handlers for everything. It's got syslog handlers. It's got current – it's got, like – it's got a handler that integrates with the Linux um, log rotate daemon. No, it's just it's extremely powerful. It's just it's it's got a learning curve. Maybe it's just that uh, maybe there is an, an article out there that explains simply how to use logging that I I've just never read. I mean I know that Vinay is uh, very articulate when you when you you converse with him about the the logging module. Well, uh, the do that, that document and that article should be the documentation. And if the documentation isn't enough of a tutorial and isn't clear enough, then again, I'd say just say that in a, in a Python bug report and I'm sure Vinay will deal with it. Doug Hellman did write a uh, Python module of the week article on logging. And you can probably uh, track that down by Googling for Doug Hellman logging. I'd say it's a fair bet he's covered it. He's nearly covered the whole standard library now. It, it would be very nice if someone were to write a logging module how-to, because the library documentation tries to be more of a reference, and so there isn't really space for an extensive tutorial that sort of walks you through a set of examples from a very simple log file up to a very complicated large application with a big complex tree of logging modules and so on. Yeah. I believe Vinay actually started a <laughs> blog for the um for for the module and I it's uh here it is. If you go to plumber P L U M B E R Jack so that's one word plumber jack dot blogspot.com uh, on that blog I believe Vinay has a very extensive uh, uh, post on Python logging 101 mm -hmm. so he ha he is trying to you know document it uh, the la that last 101 post was from September of 2009 so I mean definitely give Vinay feedback he's extremely res extremely responsive okay if that blog isn't already in Planet Python, I'll make sure it gets added. So, always the best place to go for Python news. So the reason that um, this particular pet came up is because um, Guido had a sudden burst of activity on the Python dev mailing list and has approved about three peps in one go. And I think pep three four five and pep three eight six were also um, he's just approved. Does, does anyone know any of the details on on those Python enhancement proposals? Well, PEP 345 uh, specifies a, a new version of the metadata inside a Python package on the package index. And if you go read the PEP, there's actually a section which talks about the difference from version 1.1 of the metadata format. 
So there are a bunch of added fields for uh, specifying the, the maintainer's name and contact email, which and the maintainer can be different from the the original author. There are also keywords for dependency information. Uh, so, things... so this is just to jump in here, Andrew. Sure. This is for the metadata that you specify when, basically, when you're uploading a package to the Python packaging index. Right. Um, and, and for the and for tools that then use that metadata um, for automatically installing packages from the from the Python packaging index. Correct. And so it also defines a, a way to specify requirements on the environment that a package runs in. So you can say that this application requires the Win32 extensions, or it only runs on an i386 platform, or it requires Python version 2.4 or 2.5, and so on. But we haven't had proper dependency handling in the uh, Python distutils library for when you install packages. We haven't had proper dependency handling as part of the core library ever in Python, have we? I don't believe so, no. It, it was drafted as part of the metadata, but I don't think anyone ever actually picked it up and implemented it. So does, does this um, pep specify that um, distutils will use that to find dependencies, or will it just warn you that you don't have the dependencies? I don't know. And you certainly the pep does not actually say anything about this. But the obvious assumption is that if, if we're adding things to this metadata format, distutils will gain methods or uh, parameters that let you specify all this information. Do you know whether the authors of Cheesecake are going to adopt their stuff to PEP345 so that we can actually uh, have something that will complain about it before people upload stuff? Is Cheesecake still being used? Is it still working? I don't know. Do you want, do you want to do you explain mean? what Cheesecake is? But, uh... Yeah, Cheesecake was a Google Summer of Code project, I believe, wasn't it? Uh, a couple of years ago where somebody decided that they were going to take a look and do automated scoring of distributions. And I think the original idea was to try to improve the quality of the distributed code, the stuff that got distributed through PyPy. Yeah, it was supposed to be it was supposed to be a port of basically the uh the uh, CPANTS testing service. So pycheesecake.org is the is its um is the homepage and it says cheesecake, how tasty is your code? Unfortunately, I'm pretty sure that that has sort of died down since it took off. I don't know if it's somebody would have to ping Greg to see if it was still kind of up and running. I mean, there are, there are alternatives that have kind of popped up, uh, like PyPants. So if you go to PyPants.org, that was a sprint project from a couple of guys involved in Django. It's pretty, but I don't know how used it really is or how active it is right now. From a kind of a personal itch standpoint, I think that there is definitely a space for a uh, pie cheesecake or pie pants like service layered on top of pie pie uh, in the future. I think I think testing uh, like objective quality metrics are going to be kind of critical as the community and it's the packages and the libraries continue to expand and grow. 
Yeah, the more automated help we have, the better, I would say, certainly, yeah. So the other half of, or the other PEP that's been approved at the same time is PEP 386, and that's about changing the version comparison module in disutils, which is like just one tiny component of disutils, the Python distribution utilities. You wouldn't believe how much sort of debate and, um, well, you probably would believe, and how much discussion there was to try and get, how can we have a standard algorithm for describing version numbers that meets everybody's use cases so that you can describe things as alpha and beta and release candidates and that the version comparisons work for those different release numbers. So I think they've finally hammered something together that just about works for, for almost everyone. That's good. I remember that Django this time last year was looking to see whether they had any way to uh, to perform version comparisons. And I said, well, you know, why don't you just use the standard uh, Python one? And I think they did actually move to the standard Python one, which is good enough for their purposes. But obviously it wasn't good enough for everyone's. I've had some exposure to the discussion on disutils, etc., about the versioning stuff and consider my consider my mind blown on just the scope and the emotions involved in involved in picking version numbers and trying to support all of these various versions because I will tell you this much there is I mean go and take a look at PEP three eighty six and look at just the examples and how many, you know, various discussions were involved, etc. It's the list of, of version numbers from the uh, loose version description is amazing you've got everything from 1.5.2 b2 to 1.13 plus plus to 2.2 beta 29 it's ridiculous and then there's people it's, who include like the subversion repository um revision number in the release numbers and this kind of stuff yeah yeah those people should be hurt <laughs> not not that i'm opinionated and this is all part of Tarek's work to improve disutils so that we can do things like proper installation of dependencies and then un uninstallation of dependencies with Python packages, hopefully to work with all the platform-specific dependency handling stuff as well. And, and as you can imagine, these, these are topics that people do get very passionate and, and opinionated about. And he's really been amazing at sort of pushing through and actually making things happen while still allowing people to work on the details. And, um, and, and I'm sure we've mentioned it in other episodes, but the other side of that work is the, the Project Distribute, which is a, a community fork of um, the old Setup Stores project, which did a lot of this, but there were a lot of issues with it, and it basically wasn't being developed. There was only one person on the development team who wasn't that involved anymore. So Distribute, it, it started from the Setup Tools code base, and there's been a lot of bugs fixed. There are a lot of people actually working on it. So I, I, my opinion is that it's usable now because it started from the... If you were using setup tools, it's only got better from there. It's fantastic for Python to see these issues, which are really quite a big issue, issues in the Python community, to even get addressed and work, get addressed and worked on. And that actually reminds me of another new Python 2.7 feature. Uh, Distutils has long had a module called sysconfig, which let you look up information about the system that Python was compiled on, the platform, the compiler switches used, that kind of thing. And sysconfig has now been promoted out of the disutils package into a library module in 2.7. Yeah, there's a bunch of new stuff coming up in 2.7. 
one of the things that I actually added recently to the multiprocessing module into in the two uh, seven branch was the ability inside of a multiprocessing dot pool you can actually uh, now dictate how many pieces of work a given process inside of the pool will take and work on before it actually kills itself and is replaced by a new process. This is actually useful. Uh, a lot of things like uh, mod WSGI and Apache use this common uh, this pool method to basically prevent you know memory leaks inside of the code that the processes are running. Uh, just basically just refreshing the processes within the pool for long running things. Definitely go take a look at uh, the latest 2.7 uh, alpha up on uh, python.org. If you go to docs.python.org forward slash dev forward slash what's new forward slash 2.7. Andrew, are you still doing these? Yes, I am. Only the 2.7 yeah, one. The what's new on it is just huge. And I, I still have 37 uh, commit messages in my to-be-written-about folder. I hope to get that completely finished by, I don't know, maybe 2.7 beta 2. There's still a bit of time before 2.7 comes out. We're only in the alphas. Mm-hmm. Is alpha 3 the last alpha for 2.7? Alpha 4 in um, March. And the language summit may actually end up either adding or somehow modifying the release uh, schedule because um, I know there's going to be a lot of things that we're going to discuss at the Language Summit around 2.7, the potential of 2.8, so on and so forth. Right. If people, if readers want to take a look at the existing schedule, then they can take a look at PEP 373, which actually specifies that, which I presume is where you're getting your information from there, uh, Andrew. Correct. And that currently has a final release scheduled for the 26th of June, although you're indicating that that may actually uh, change somewhat, Jesse? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure things are going to change coming out of PyCon. They always do. And PyCon coming up is really pushing people to be more active. In addition to 2.7 Alpha 3 coming out, Barry Warsaw announced he was going to issue a 2.65 bug fix release. Yeah, we've got a schedule for that as well now, which is great. So Barry's plan at the moment is to do a release candidate March 1st and hopefully a 265 final release March 15th. Uh, And so that will hopefully give us all a chance at PyCon to backport bug fixes or other work we want to. So if there's a bug in 2.6 that's been bugging you, it would be a good idea to, to work on getting a patch ready. This has been a little bit of Python, Episode 5, with Michael Ford, Steve Holden, Andrew Cushling, and Jesse Noller. Please send your comments and suggestions to the email address all at bitofpython.com. Our theme is Track 11 from the Headroom Project album Haifa, available on the Magnatune label. Thank you for listening to Hack Republic Radio. HPR is sponsored by Caro.net, 
So head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.